to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, DFSers. I'm coming live from the Dirty South with my boy Kyle Pitts and my boy Matthew Betts. Betts, how's it going up in Vermont? I'm not going to lie, man. I had no idea where you are going with that intro. <laughs> um, with your boy, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle's rocking the new Kyle Pitts jersey. It looks sweet. The Atlanta jersey, number eight. Looks good, man. But yeah, all is well up in Vermont. It is a beautiful time of year up here, dude. It's like 65 degrees. The sun is out. Love springtime in Vermont. So playing a bunch of golf this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. And yeah, happy Friday, man. I'm excited to talk uh, NFC win totals with you tonight. Yeah, we get to talk about our teams, Falcons, the Eagles, and I promise we won't give too many Homer takes, but I realized when we started the podcast and I said reporting live, it's almost like I'm giving like a live fresh update. Like this is like a, a news channel. Is that what this is turning into? We just dropped the, the breaking news here, you know, on this podcast, which is recorded, not live, but yeah, but yeah it's all breaking news here on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about win totals, but the schedule release just came out on Wednesday, and I know for both of us, that's something we're super passionate about. We had that day circled for a while. It gets a lot of people hyped. There's a lot of great social media videos that people put out, um, but let's give a couple of our reactions to the schedule being released. So I'll let you start us out, and I'll follow up. Yeah, man. I mean, let's let's start with our Falcons, right? Let's not bury the lead. They're the highlight of the show tonight. Um We've been talking about them for a while. We're in on the over. We like a lot of what they're doing. We're in on Matt Ryan at future MVP bets, et cetera, et cetera. What is the NFL doing to our, to our Falcons here, man? I mean, you know, it's a 17-game season this year, so some teams will play nine home games. Some will play eight. They got eight, but not really. They got seven because one of their quote-unquote home games is in London. Come on, NFL. Help us out. We already have our hard-earned money on the line here with the Falcons, so they are... Uh, kind of getting shafted a little bit here with only seven games being played uh, in the Superdome in Atlanta. So a little bit of a bummer for that, but otherwise still a favorable, favorable schedule given that they play um, other teams that were finishing lower in their division uh, across the NFL. So still love it, still in on the bet. We'll talk about it here in a bit, but uh, that was a surprising takeaway from the schedule release. I asked some of my local friends here if, hey, do you guys want to buy a plane ticket to London and go see the Jets and the Falcons? And all of us were like, not happening. We're not we're not going over there to see the Jets. But yeah, for me, the thing that stood out is when you get a 17 game season, there's just some things that aren't congruent. They're just not across the board. Like you there are three teams that have week 14 buys. That is so late in the season. I mean, last year we had week 13s, but week 14 just sounds so far, including your Eagles. Uh, that's just way far in advance. And then you have other teams that have week five buys. So that just feels a little off. And I don't really understand why they would space them out that much. So you got to take that into effect in terms of teams and projections and who's going to be limping towards the finish line. So that was one of my big takeaways. And I wrote up a 10 insights article I do every year, and it's a super fun uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and a couple of places I give some streaming quarterback options, some unique matchups, some revenge matchups. So that's a, a super fun article if you want to check that out on the website. But give me a team that you're like, when I looked at their schedule, I just said, no, thank you. We talked about these guys last week. I, I'm full on fade the Steelers in 2021. Um, you know, the, the reasons mentioned last week on the pod. So if you missed it, go back and check it out. I'm in on their under eight and a half win win total, but just look at their gauntlet of games of the last six games of 2021. The start of the season isn't horrific. They have a couple winnable games in there. You know, they could be about a 500 team going into their bye week. But then you look at from weeks 13 on, here's the schedule at home against the Ravens on the road against the Vikings at home against the Titans on the road against the Chiefs home against the Browns and then the Ravens again on the road. I mean, they could legitimately lose every single one of those games. It is going to be rough for the Steelers if they even make it that far in terms of staying durable. It's a pretty thin offensive line. We talked about it. If Big Ben, anything happens to him, it's over. Like there's a lot of downside to the Steelers. And that end of the year schedule is scary. That's what people need to realize when we look at teams that have been elite for a while. When you think of Steelers, you think of consistent, you know, like this team year in, year out. They're up there. They have a defense. They know how to win. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. 
Like this is a winning culture. Same thing. We'll talk about the Saints tonight, but there are scenarios for both of those teams. They've been good for a long time where the bottom just falls out this year. And a lot of the roster is not in great condition. And so those are just, that's it. Those are the teams that normally we'd bet they're over. We'd say like, oh, this team looks like a playoff team, but there is a scenario where the Steelers are under, and I believe they're at eight and a half right now. So I think that's kind of enticing. Did you take any wagers on the Steelers? I did. I'm already in on them at uh, minus 130 for under eight and a half. The not to make the playoffs is tempting. It was at minus 190 last time I looked, but it's just too expensive. I think I'm going to stick with the, the eight and a half there and go the under. Yeah, and that's what Vegas is telling us. Vegas is saying that the Steelers are not going to make the playoffs this year. So that is a team to monitor. But we got to see week one. And I know this is a DFS podcast and we're a little little ahead of things. It's middle of May right now. But bets, week one. I mean, what is what is the matchup, man? What are, what are we going to be talking about for the next three months? Dude, it's all about the Eagles and Falcons in week one, man. Our two teams going head to head. The line opened at minus four. It has since been bet to minus three and a half in one day. So people are projecting it to be a pretty close game. We like those shootout environments. And obviously, you know, the, the fantasy hype for Jalen Hurts is going to be through the roof come August. So people are going to be excited to play him. There might be still some love uh, for Miles Sanders. You look on the other side of the ball with the Falcons. We want to stack Matt Ryan a ton with Julio and Ridley maybe Kyle Pitts, et cetera. And if Mike Davis is the guy, I mean, he might he might be underpriced week one relative to his role. So there's going to be a lot to like about that Atlanta uh, Philly game. And you know what, man? There's nothing better than prepping for DFS in May. Yeah, I don't want to go too far because we're going to have time to do it. But we did look at the week one slate and, you know, we don't have salaries or anything else out. But I'll mention a couple other games that are on that main slate the first week. Steelers at... Uh, Bills is going to be a fun one. Uh, we also like Seattle. They get to play at Indy. Uh, the Titans play at Arizona. And then one of my under the radar ones that maybe it's just going to be a defensive battle, but I like these teams. It's uh, Washington and the Chargers. I just think those t- those are two teams that we like for the playoffs. They're at eight wins. We'll talk about Washington in a second. And then the Chargers are at nine. So those are just two teams that I just like. I like their matchups. But if you haven't had a chance, check out the schedule. You can look on Fantasy Footballer's website. You can also go on iTunes and subscribe and review to this podcast. And what we are working on right now, we are in the middle of this final stretch, last couple of weeks, leading up to June 1st when the Ultimate Draft Kit comes out. So Bets, any plugs you want to give for the Ultimate Draft Kit and what you've been working on? Yeah, dude, it's, it's coming around the corner. I need to buckle down here and finish up these injury reports. But uh, yeah, we're working through that um, behind the scenes. Obviously, the guys are as well. Andy, Mike and Jason, the entire team is just putting in work. Um, so definitely check it out. You know, the, the nice thing about it, we always talk about it. It's just the price is is obscene. It's, it's it's so cheap. And you get the DFS pass basically added on at no extra cost when you go pre-order it today. Again, it drops on June 1st. And dude, the app, whew, that thing is looking sleek. The app's looking really good. I went on a podcast, wrote of his podcast this past week. And, you know, usually on a podcast, you get to give a plug for your stuff. So obviously we talk about ballers, talk about the ultimate draft kit. But once again, I was just like, are we dumb? Are we really dumb for saying here's one price? There's no subscription, one time fee. And you really can make your money back in one week with DFS. So that's kind of what we preach to people. What we kind of get to explain is that if you learn the game the right way, if you play it and understand how to play cash, first and build those lineups well, then you can be profitable long-term and you can have fun every single week with uh, bets and myself. So we're excited about that. Go to ultimatedraftkit.com, but let's get into the NFC. Let's get divisional. Let's get divisional. Let's get physical as they, uh, as the song also says. Um, hey, we now. Could have, I would have liked that if we would have uh, busted that song out too. But let's start with the NFC East. We're going to be talking about a division that was the NFC least last year, including your Eagles. But we're going to start at the top and talk about the Cowboys and then Washington Giants and then your Eagles. So Cowboys are at nine and a half wins right now. And they are the division favorite at plus 125 to win. So 
This is a drastic change from what we saw last year where Dallas was actually a third place team. As weird as that sounds, like they were third place in the division behind the Giants. And so they get a third place schedule. If you don't know, when you look at the schedule, there's two games that uh, people play out of division and that's matched up with another third place team. So they actually have a couple of matchups on their schedule that are uh, somewhat enticing. It's just a little bit easier than you would normally think for a team that's projected to win their division. So what do you think about Dallas right now in nine and a half? Yeah, I don't have a strong lean on them either way. I think that line seems about right. Um, Obviously, you know, with Dak Prescott there under center, he's the best quarterback in this division by a landslide. It's not even close. So if you get Dak um, with how he was playing last year and the year prior, I mean, he's a winning quarterback. That's what he does. And Dallas has been very good when he's under center. But there's a lot of holes in this team, right? Like, are they the most optimally coached team in the NFL? No. Uh, Are they going to run Zeke into the line a ton over and over and over again? Yes. And is the line declining? Yes. So there's a lot to kind of pick, you know, poke holes in on the offensive side of the ball. And then the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they were one of the worst in the league last year. So there's a lot that you could say, okay, there's some positives here, but there's also a ton of negatives. One thing working in their favor, though, is they get to play the Giants twice and the Eagles twice. So I do like them to win the division if if you're going to go and take the favorite. I think that's the play here on Dallas if you're going to if you're going to back them. Nine and a half seems right to me. I don't have a strong take either way there. Uh, What say you? I don't mind the over. It's at 107 plus 107 right now. So I don't mind getting a little bit of plus money on a team that's currently favored. And so for them to go 10 and seven, looking at their schedule, it feels pretty doable. They open up the year against Tampa Bay. And so that that seems intimidating, obviously, that week one. But from weeks three to five, they play three home games in a row, which is just a weird quirk in the schedule. And then towards the end of the year, they have three road games uh, it's just weird how their schedule shaped up. Like usually it's pretty even. You kind of go back and forth between home and road. But right now, if I had to lean anywhere, it'd be the over. And the only reason why I pause is because Washington is really gaining some steam really across the fantasy community. And their win total is still sitting at just eight. I've seen it in eight and a half in some places. Do you feel like that's going to start trending up? Yeah, I've actually already seen it, like you said, at a bunch of eight and a halfs. But to me, this is the best bet in the division. I love Washington over eight here. I know uh, previously when the lines were first dropped about a month and a half ago, you and I talked, and I don't know if if you were just as excited as me or maybe you were a little more uh, concerned about some things, but I love it. I mean, you look at this roster top to bottom, and they got so much better this year compared to what they did last year. Here's a list of the following human beings that were taking a snap at quarterback for this roster. Alex Smith coming off one of the most horrific injuries we've ever seen. And like hats off to the dude. It was amazing. But clearly he was affected in the pocket, right? Like you could see it on on when he played. Dwayne Haskins played quarterback and he started seven games for this team. Then you had um, Kyle Allen, who's a career backup player starting at quarterback. They won seven games and now we're in a 17 game season and the line is at eight. Kyle, this is the Michael Scott gif. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Because I do not understand. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, right? They get William Jackson from Cincy. They've got Chase Young on the defensive line there to bolster one of the best uh, pass rushes in the NFL. To me, it it makes zero sense. I'm very much in on the over eight. Uh, I also got them to win the division at plus 300 about a month and a half ago. It's now about plus 250, depending on where you look. I still think there's some value there. But yeah, man, I'm all in on the football team this year. I like the football team. No, the the outs. So where the downside is, I just want to point this out because I hate saying anything negative about our boy, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, I spent way too much time this offseason researching this man. It's one of my favorite articles I wrote too. But the downside is that they play a first place schedule. You know, they were they won the division last year. So they're, they're two teams that they get to play are the Seahawks and the Bills. Like those are not great draws in terms of out of, out of conference or out of division. I like them more to make the playoffs and to win the division than just their their straight up over eight wins. But eight wins just feels like that just feels like way too low. If you do the over and they hit eight and they push, then you're fine. So I feel like an eight nine season is is doable. But you know that with Ryan Fitzpatrick, there is a downside. There is a downside. We haven't really seen this guy play a full sixteen game season since he was with the Jets. So that's just not what he's been doing. And Taylor Heineke's shown that he's okay. So that would be my only pause, but I'm with you. Like this is a team that's going to be good. They're going to stay in a lot of games and it helps that the giants 
and the Eagles are also in this division. So with the Giants, they're currently at seven. I've seen seven and a half in a couple of places, but is there value on their under right now, which is 107, plus 107? I think at plus money, there is value. If it was if it was the favorite to go under, you know, if it was minus money, you had to lay some juice, I wouldn't really like it. But yeah, dude, I mean, this is a situation where in general, quarterbacks kind of show us who they are in early in their career and things don't change that much year to year. We've seen it for multiple seasons with Daniel Jones. Is he the long-term answer there? I'm not sure. Is Jason Garrett going to put him in a position to succeed? No, <laughs> I think we can confidently say that. You know, we've just seen him make so many silly decisions over and over, but the roster looks pretty decent on paper. They had an underrated defense last year. The line feels about right. So to me, this is definitely not an overplay. Uh, I think if anything, the under at, at plus money makes a ton of sense. This team went six and 10 last year. Remember without Saquon, a lot of weapons gone. Daniel Jones was injured for a little bit. Like, this roster is good enough to get seven wins, but yeah, it's you're asking a lot because of the other teams in the division for it to go over. I'll also mention that the Giants have a super tough road schedule. Listen to these teams they play on the road this year. Kansas City, I've heard they're good. The Chargers, the Saints, the Buccaneers, Washington, of course, Miami. Like Those are all teams that we would say are in the playoff hunt. So those are just tough road games, and, and that's... I think what's going to kill them uh, long-term. So Daniel Jones is someone we'll talk about in DFS because he's going to be fun and there's going to be weeks where you vomit and you just move on. But uh, we'll see how the Giants do. The Eagles are actually my favorite team to talk about in this division. And I like their under bets. Am I crazy? Oh, unfortunately not. Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, Yeah, they're at six and a half. Right now, the over is crazy. Minus 155. I would not pay that juice to go on the over for an organization that in general, you would can say, you know, it's pretty sharp overall, but they're dysfunctional right now. Like it just, you know, look at what happened last year and kind of look at where things are going. There's a new coaching staff. You obviously have Jalen Hurts, who's unproven, young playmakers. Like it's just, and this team too, you look at kind of like where there are in the roster, like the veterans that are on that team are all kind of on their last leg. Like the line could fall apart quickly as we've seen on the defensive side of the ball, the same story. So it's a fragile team. I would not be paying minus 155 to go over here. I think under is pretty much the only play. I like your measured approach with your Eagles. And I, I will do that with the Falcons. I'm not going to just come in here guns blazing, but the team is getting older in a lot of key areas. And usually what that happens is you look at past performance, you look at past Players on the line, Lane Johnson, you know, Brandon Brooks, like these are good players. I'm not trying to take it away from them, but there is a point where it's just gone and it doesn't really gel. They're shopping Zach Ertz right now. And Hertz is the biggest question mark. I think everyone would say that. He might still be good for fantasy, but for real life, that's where I think we need to take advantage. Last year, we looked at this and the teams that actually people banked on young quarterbacks taking a step forward, those are the teams that actually took a step backwards, like Drew Locke. The The Broncos were a popular pick last year and uh, people thought, okay, no, Drew Locke had a good little end of season run. That didn't work out so well. Same thing with Daniel Jones. So these second year quarterbacks, if you think they're going to take a step forward, if Vegas thinks they're going to take a step forward, like that's a good place to kind of put your money in at plus 127 bets. I might be taking the under and rooting against your Eagles the entire year. I can't blame you, man. I really can't. And we've seen too, like you have to also factor in when you're looking at these totals, like there are teams that at certain points in the year, they might mail it in. They may not try to to lose, but they're not going to try to win. We saw these Eagles do that in week 17 last year against Washington. Like it's in the realm of possibility. They're definitely in for a rebuild here. They're one of those week 14 buy teams. And so that did cross my mind. Like what if... They go into that week 14 by and they are, I don't know, four or five and that four or five wins. Like it's just a rough season. And they just say, okay, you know what? Hertz isn't the answer. We've only got a couple more games left and we're just going to see what else we have with the rest of this roster. Like you could look at those last three or four games and say, they're just mailing it in. So I'm hoping for that. If I'm going to place a little, little money on the Eagles and it's nothing personal, but it is, I do feel kind of mean. (laughs) <laughs> no man I, hey as long as we can like root for jalen hurts and dfs then then it'll even out and it'll be all good so we'll make our money that way with with the eagles but yeah i'm, I'm not I'm not too excited about the over here at all 
That's I mean, last year, my favorite week in DFS was a week where I stacked. Uh, it was it was Alexander Madison week, I remember. And I just faded Madison and I stacked Julio, who had kind of been injured with Ryan. And then I think I ran it back with Justin Jefferson. And I knew we were just it was a lost season. But so that's the beauty of DFS. You can start over every single week. You can pick teams that, you know, normally aren't having a great season. So DFS for the win, dude, that that'll oh, be yes. why not win a million on the Millie maker and then tell your Eagles, hey, I know what I'm doing. Maybe I could tell you guys. <laughs> Sad time is to be an Eagles fan, man. Let's go to the NFC North. And we have the Packers at the top. Packers are obviously a wild card team. As of this recording, we don't know anything really about Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers are at the top at 10.5, the Vikings at 8.5, the Bears are now at 7.5, that's crept up recently, and then the Lions. Whew, the Lions are at 5, and I just don't even want to talk about them because they're like the easiest stay away, I think, on the board. But let's start at the top with the Packers. Right now, they're minus 134 as favorites for the division. Is that even something worth betting, or is it just like, too much risk with Rodgers. Yeah, it's too much risk with Rodgers. But even if Rodgers plays, like this is a team that's relied on like the, the Titans efficiency and insane efficiency over the last couple of seasons. There's a reason everyone was talking about fading Aaron Jones in fantasy, you know, for a year and a half straight because the offense in general has just been so, so efficient. Um, yeah, man, I, there's enough here that you could even say if Rodgers plays, I don't like that price. I think that it's, it's a little too expensive. Um, but at the same time, the other division winners, like I don't think those prices are really fair enough, and there's no way I'm betting the Lions to win the division. So it's kind of a stay away division for me in terms of like betting the winner um, at the prices that they're at now. But yeah, I think Green Bay to me is a stay away until we know what's going on with Rodgers. There is regression that we need to bake into the Packers. If Rodgers even plays, like there's some regression. The last two years they've had 13 wins, but they've been over expectation every single year. You know, they had a touchdown every 97 yards, which was just ridiculous. Like they were just off the charts good. So there is regression coming. And I want to point out this. I put this in the article. There's a couple of gauntlet schedules. If you don't know what a gauntlet is, it's where back in the day they used to have soldiers just run through a line and basically get the crap beaten out of them. So this this is the Packers schedule from week six to 12. So before they're by in week 13, they play at Chicago. Washington, at Arizona, at Kansas City, Seattle, at Minnesota, and against the Rams. Like that is a really tough stretch for seven weeks before the bye. So you're gonna you're gonna find out something about the Packers then to see if you know they're if they're gonna hit that same. They're not gonna hit 13 wins this year, in my opinion. At 10 and a half right now, I would probably stay away from any sort of wager on them. Uh, until we get more information. I think if anyone, you're just guessing right now about Rogers. So yeah, it's, 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 I mean, honestly, the sharp move is probably if depending on the price that you can find on different books, like if there's good juice or, or, you know, plus money on the under, like you could kind of like prognosticate and just kind of read the tea leaves here and say, okay, we're baking in some regression anyway with Rogers. What if it's Jordan love? Like the line is going to plummet to what would you say? What would you put it at? If it was Jordan love, like, I don't know, eight and a half. Yeah, that's it's this is probably a eight win team just based on, you know, they have some other pieces and stuff like that. And this is a pretty top heavy division like the Lions are going to drag it down, but they do play a first place schedule. So, like I said, this this is this is a much tougher schedule than people realize, even with Rodgers. I don't think I could bet the over right now, but let's go with the Vikings. They're kind of a popular pick. Uh, they're at minus 162 on their over. So eight and a half wins feels like kind of almost like gimme, like, you know, let's do let's do the over, but they're plus 122 to make the playoffs. Do you think that's better than their over? I do, yeah. Obviously, you know, for the price that you get at plus money, you, you obviously get way better odds, and it's essentially the same bet, right? If they're winning nine plus games, they're probably sneaking in. I also didn't realize this, Kyle, until I looked today. Like literally half the league makes the playoffs. Like it's not that difficult to do anymore. There's 14 teams that get in out of 32. So like if you're, you know, at 10 wins, if 11 wins, you're in. And if the line is eight and a half, I love the over 
but you know, paying that minus 162 that it's at now is sort of tricky. I almost hope that it gets bet up to nine because I would bet that because the price isn't going to be as expensive. It's virtually the same bet. You get the push potential. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm definitely on the Vikings here. The division's pretty weak. And then you look at, you know, this team, this offense was awesome last year. They'll probably regress maybe a little bit, but you know, Mike Zimmer's teams historically, they play excellent defense. And last year, Minnesota 27th in yards allowed per play. It was awful. They go out and spend over 40 million guaranteed money to bring in defensive studs to kind of bolster the defensive side of the ball. So I think this is going to be a really good team. I love them at, at over eight and a half, but the price is just too expensive. So like you said, that plus 122 to make the playoffs for me is definitely the play on Minnesota. And they play a third place schedule because they were third place in the division. So they have a little bit easier road in some of their matchups than Chicago and I saw Mike Clay tweet this out today, but Chicago has his toughest strength of schedule on the 2021 season. That's according to his projections. And I respect Mike Clay. That's not just going against last year's win totals. So Chicago has a tough schedule. They're third in the division. They're enticing because there is some, you know, Justin Fields. We love Fields on this pod. So Chicago's interesting. We don't think Dalton's going to be the starter for very long. But some of their road games are just, listen to these road games, the Rams, Cleveland, Tampa Bay. I could stop right there and say like, those are probably top five best teams in the league. They yeah, also play scary. at Pittsburgh, at Green Bay, at Seattle, and at Minnesota. So those are just, their road games are super, super tough. They have a little bit easier home schedule, but Chicago is a team that right now it's at seven and a half. I just don't know how much Fields is going to affect things in year one. So they're probably a stay away team. Yeah, I don't have too much to add with you You know, on that. I'm with you. I think uh, the line is about right. And so for me, there's no real value here. I'll definitely pass on this one. All right, we can go real quick through the lines. They're a stay away for me. They're at five. I can't really see them over five. I went through their schedule and I, I listed games that I would say are winnable in my opinion. I, you know, there's always surprises in the NFL, but here's the games I picked as winnable. Cincinnati, Chicago and Minnesota at home. They have a shot. At Denver, not really. Arizona and at the Falcons. I'll at least give them a shot against the Falcons because we could totally let down. But that's I listed six games right there, Bets, as winnable. Should we bet the under? <laughs> I mean, you you can't take the over, right? Like, you're not going to bet over five for a team like this. Yeah, I don't know, man. Betting under on a five-win total in a 17-game season is just, there's no value in my opinion. But, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't give me a free bet to bet, to bet the over on this team. There's no way. Yeah, I just, the Lions are in a position where they're going to be the bottom. And we'll talk about them in a second. But between the Lions and the Texans, like, those are the two teams, the lowest win total and teams probably fighting for that number one pick. All right, NFC South. Ooh, this is, I, I hate that we're in such a tough division. Like, I hate it so much because you look at the Falcons and there's just, they're set up where they can make the playoffs. They could easily be fourth in this division once again. So, yeah. uh, Bucks are at 11 and a half wins. Saints are at nine. Falcons are now up to seven and a half. And the Panthers are at seven and a half. So obviously the Bucks are the division favorites at minus 200. I really wouldn't even want to bet that. I just don't think there's any value on that. Uh, and I don't really like any of the other teams to win the division. So I don't like the division winner props, but let's talk about the Buccaneers. And although they won the Super Bowl, they have a second place schedule because the Saints won this division last year. And according to Mike Clay, they have the easiest strength of schedule in the league. Like that's unfair that Tom Brady is gifted something else in his life. He needs to go away. I said it. I'm so done with that, man. But gosh, like it's, you, we're never going to see this in our entire lives ever again. So I'm just trying to appreciate it for what it is. But yeah, uh, you know, the rich get richer basically here with, with Tom Brady and not to mention, he also gets every single starter back on the roster to build continuity in now a quote unquote normal year in terms of the offseason schedule. And they just won the Super Bowl in a COVID year. So congratulations, Tom. You might as well take home the next Super Bowl, too. Yeah, so I would say with the Buccaneers at 11 and a half, it's 
it's more enticing to look at the Buccaneers and say, are they going to win the NFC? You know, are they going to make another Super Bowl run? Like those are the kind of bets that I would rather take where you're going to get a lot more plus money on the Buccaneers. You know, as kind of right now, they're like third or fourth in a lot of Super Bowl odds. So I'd rather go there uh, than over 11 and a half. That just feels like a lot to be able to say at minus 134. Like, so the Tampa Bay is not really a team that I'm interested in although they have tons of depth. The Saints, though, are a team that we've mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, is like, I could see this just being a five or six win team if things really went bad. Like, they have the defense in place, but with Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, like, it could get bad really quickly. So how do you feel about nine wins? Yeah, I don't love the line. I've seen a couple of nine and a halves, but it's really expensive. It's like minus like 170 or something like that to go under. But nine feels about right. It's just a team that I don't feel super confident about. They do have a good good pieces in place, obviously. You know, they still have a really good offensive line. The defense is solid, but the quarterback situation is completely a question mark. Jameis Winston, you know, he could come in and he could be the same old Jameis. And Sean Payton is not going to stand for that. He will be on the bench very quickly. And then it's Taysom Hill. And, you know, say what you want about Taysom. He's fun for fantasy, but clearly I don't think he is a, you know, he doesn't change the game for you from a, a real NFL life perspective, in my opinion. So there's a lot of question marks about that. Um, and then you look at, you know, again, Tampa's a, a tough matchup. We like Atlanta, so they're going to be tougher this year in the division. So there's a lot that kind of can go wrong here pretty quick for New Orleans. So the way that I'm going to play this is instead of betting them to um, to go over or under, just to go no playoffs at minus 139 is a little bit uh, more reasonable, I think, as, as far as a, a way to invest uh, in fading the Saints, if that's what your your, your take is this year. Yeah, that's what Vegas is telling us. Like this team's not supposed to make the playoffs. And when you add up the NFC, it's really top heavy in terms of a couple of teams and the NFC West. Like the NFC West could get three teams in the playoffs possibly. So in this division, I think the Bucks are the easy favorite. And then it really is between the Saints and the Falcons, in our opinion, as a potential playoff team as a wild card. So Let's talk about the Falcons. Like I said, I don't want to give a homer take, but this was something that Betts and I were on, you know, a couple months ago as a good line. Okay, so beyond my Falcons fandom, it was a good line that the Falcons came out as seven wins that first uh, that first time. So Betts and I jumped all over that uh, over seven wins, and now it's up to seven and a half. So moving the lines, and then no I took a wager. For them to make the playoffs at plus 300, which is awesome, it's now down to plus 215, which, you know, I might get a little bit more action on that uh, because the Falcons have a super easy schedule. They were a fourth place team. So get this, bets. The Falcons, their two games that they get for being a fourth place team are the Lions and the Jaguars. How's that sound to you? Oh, man. Two free wins. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Listen, man, I we've been all all over this you know there isn't really much more that our listeners need to know because they've already heard this multiple times but uh it just makes too much sense i think arthur smith is going to be a great fit with matt ryan um obviously they still have a ton of weapons on the offensive side of the ball um and then the schedule like you said is just beautiful so obviously over seven was the play um what are your thoughts on the seven and a half though is there still value there i think there's still value when you look at their schedule and them to go eight and nine it really is doable in terms of you know what they're at. It does stink when you when you're mentioning their home uh, games and like they get one less than a, than everybody. So I will say Matt Ryan's home splits are really great. But then when you look at our actual record, like for fantasy, he's good, but our record is actually not that good at home. So uh, you gotta get in the stadium, man. You gotta be you gotta be loud. I trust me. We used to pump in the noise. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was bad, but I, yeah, I did go to a Falcon Saints game a couple years ago where we beat the Saints at home and on a Thursday night, color rush jerseys. That's oh, good feeling. love that. Love that. It's good feeling. Let's talk about the Panthers because this is a team that I'm warming up on fading. Is that, is that an oxymoron? No, I followed you, man. It makes, that makes sense. I'm heating up to leave them on the side of the road. <laughs> just dead done the panthers are done why are you why are you fading the panthers so at seven and a half is is this team as good as the falcon they're as good as the saints like they're not in the same like playing field because 
you're banking on a lot from Darnold. And I'm actually pro Darnold. I like him. I hope he does really well. But I just think you're asking a lot for a guy that hasn't really shown it, hasn't really shown it as in terms of a deep ball. I love this team for fantasy. Like, I want to talk about them for DFS. We're going to talk obviously about CMC every single week. Love the receivers. Love Terrace Marshall. Their defense is trash. And yeah. it needs a lot of work. They're going to get exposed in the run game. They were last year. So I just think I can't see a scenario where this team is only winning in shootouts. Like they're going to be giving up points. There's going to be a week where the offense sputters. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. This is a misprice, in my opinion. If you were telling me they have the same exact line as the Falcons, however, Atlanta is plus 800 to win the division and Carolina is plus 1100, it's a misprice. So I think it's a bet based off that alone. Uh, I'm, as we're talking here, I'm going to make the wager. Um, yeah, man, under seven and a half for a quarterback in Sam Darnold, who you mentioned hasn't shown us anything. He's just been bad, man. That's the reality. And you know, like you said, I'm rooting for him. I hope he turns it around. The Adam Gase effect is real, obviously, but um, this is a, a quarterback who basically has a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio in his career. He has been horrific in terms of win-loss. We're talking about you know 13 and 25 over his three seasons. He's never eclipsed seven yards per attempt. Like just the efficiency looks awful, and now he's coming into a brand new system. Maybe the change of scenery is good for him. I'm not sure, but again, the quarterbacks that come into the NFL, they only have a certain amount of time to show us something before NFL teams move on. I don't know. For me, it's it's for Sam Darnold. It's like, let me see it first before I buy into this team. So yeah, man, I think seven and a half under there uh, makes too much sense. Minus 134, it's still in a position where I like it. And I think it will eventually move down to seven. I think it will get butt down. So might as well get some value on that right now with the Panthers and teams like this. I mentioned earlier that if there are quarterbacks that Vegas is basically saying, they're going to take that next step forward. I mentioned Drew Locke, like, That's what we're asking Sam Darnold to do. We're asking him to get to eight wins or nine wins. And in this division, I just don't see it happening. If you do like Darnold, there's other places. There's like comeback player of the year awards. You know, we're going to talk about awards next week and and some of these long shots and different different, uh, futures that we like. Like there's other ways to get, you know, on players like that if you're just a fan or if you like them. But in terms of win totals, that is not where I want to place my money. Let's go to the hardest division. Would you would you say the NFC West is the hardest to peg in all of football? Oh, for sure. You can make a case for over the win total for every single one of these teams and at the same time also make a case for the under. So hopefully you can figure it out here. I'm, I'm a bit lost. So yeah, it's, it's tough, man. These are all great teams. At the top, we have the Rams and the 49ers, both at 10 and a half wins and both at plus 180 to win the division. And then the Seahawks, no big deal are nine and a half wins plus 300 and the Cardinals are at eight wins at plus 600. So it's just, it's all bunched together. These teams are good and they're good enough where I could see a scenario where any of them make the playoffs. So let's start with the Rams because over right now, they're the only team in this division where over their win total is plus money. It's at plus a hundred. So, you know, nothing big, but like what do you think about the Rams over 10 and a half with Matthew Stafford? Is that a lot to ask for? You need, do you need things to break right for the Rams? Yeah, I think, I think it is a lot to ask for. I mean, I like Matthew Stafford. I think he's a clear upgrade over Jared Goff. Um, I like what they have in place, but the issue is, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, they just lost Brandon Staley, their defensive coordinator, who he was awesome. 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 Last couple of years. They're pretty thin in terms of like they're they're really top heavy with how they build their roster, which if it works, it works and they're great. You know, we've seen them have success over the years. But if there's an injury or two here or there, there's not enough depth to make up for it. So to me, it's just too thin. I think ten and a half sounds about right. And like we talked about with the division being just as tough as it is, uh, I think you know you either stay away or you could talk yourself into the under. But yeah, for me, this is a stay away. The line makes sense. I love that point about the defense because the narrative that we write when we think of the Rams is number one defense in the league. And year to year, defense is actually something that is not sticky in terms of statistics. Like it just doesn't work out that way. This isn't the Ravens of Ray Lewis's year where it's just like you could bank on them. Like teams are pretty volatile year to year. And I think that baking in some regression from the defense is totally viable. And 
to your point, like they're thin. They're a stars and scrubs approach, which is super fun. And we know the players, we know the big names, but like, let's say somebody does go down like a Jalen Ramsey or an Aaron Donald, like there isn't a ton of depth on this team. They don't have a ton of draft capital. They spit it on our boy Tutu Atwell. So it, it's just weird in terms of team building. It's great at the top when things are riding high and they bet a ton on Matthew Stafford. This team has a two-year window. Like that's it. Like you're going to see this team start over again in two years if they can't make some type of deal. Um, so the Rams are interesting because they're in a position where I could see them make a run. I also could see them in a couple of years, like have the number one pick in like three or four years. Like it's totally possible. So let's talk about the 49ers. Cause that's a massive jump from a team that last year was fourth in this division to now they're tied as division favorites. They just drafted Trey Lance. Like this team has the talent to go there. We saw them in the Super Bowl two years ago. So what do you think about the 49ers? It's tough. Like, I don't have a strong take on these two teams because like, just it, the line is good. It makes sense. But to say a rookie quarterback likely to play, you know, Jimmy G might start a few games here or there, but I do think Trey Lance will start uh, for the team at some point very soon in the season for a rookie quarterback to potentially come in who let's be honest we don't even know what he is like he, he played one season of fcs and then played one game last year so it's been a while since we've seen trey lance be trey lance and now you're in the nfl and there's a lot that could change and obviously there's some downside there um so for that type of quarterback to come in and win 11 games seems a bit kind of risky with that said the upside's massive so if you told me like hey bets i'm gonna give you a future prediction they're gonna win 11 games i would say that makes that makes sense i could see that I also could see the bottom fall out here with this team too. So to me, it's it's kind of a stay away because you could see both sides of this. Um, one way that you could you know put some money on it if you wanted to bet them to like not make the playoffs is pretty good plus money here. Uh, let me see if I can find it while I'm, while you're talking. But basically, you'd have way more of an advantage of saying like, okay, I don't know where this is going to go, but there's clearly downside, and I'll just take the plus money and kind of run with it that way. But for me, I don't have a strong take. I'm probably staying away. What's funny is when I was looking at our show doc, I have in there what it is for them to make the playoffs. Vegas has it at minus 177. But I was thinking the exact same thing. Like if you had to play this a certain direction, we don't know what Lance is. We've seen Garoppolo have his moments. I don't know. Like this team could not make the playoffs with 10 wins. Like it's totally possible that Seattle goes over, the Rams win the division, and this team ends up out of the playoffs with 10 wins. Like you mentioned, like, 10 wins should get you in, but a lot of teams might end up there. So I don't mind that. Do you have the line for that? Yeah, I just looked it up. It's actually now, you have it on the sheet here at minus 177 to make it. It's actually right now minus 200 for this team to make it. And the no to miss the playoffs, or no to not make it into playoffs, I should say, is plus 150. So I, I definitely prefer that if you're going to give me a, a, one of the two. The Seahawks are at nine and a half wins, and... With Russell Wilson, nobody wants to bet against this guy. He's averaged over 10 wins a season in his career. Like, that's that's wild. He's never had less than nine. So is nine and a half too low for a player that just has winning pedigree, a team that just, they're just in it every single year, no matter what. Do you feel like Seattle's in a position where they're third in this division that them at plus 300 to win the division is probably their best bet? Yeah, I like that. I also like the over nine and a half. You talked about that, you know, back in early April. Um, and I think there's still value on it. I just bet it actually today. Um, very much in on this. You know, the rhetoric around the Seahawks has been like, oh, well, maybe Russ wants out and maybe there's a falling out. And we haven't heard anything for months about that, right? Like the team went out, they got him Gabe Jackson to, to bolster up the offensive line. On the defensive side, they brought in Akilah Witherspoon, who's underrated corner. You know, they still have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two awesome bookend wide receivers. Um, and Russell Wilson is just Russell Wilson. I mean, if you're going to give me nine and a half wins for Russell Wilson here, it, to me, it makes too much sense. You're, you're having, you have to win less games to hit the over here than you do for a Trey Lance-led team in in San Francisco. It makes zero sense. This might be one of my favorite bets in the division here, over nine and a half. So very much interested in backing Russell Wilson. The offensive line, I'm glad you brought that up because Seattle for years has been 
pretty like underwhelming in terms of what they've invested in the offensive line, what they've done in the draft, but they've actually put themselves in a position where it's like above average. I wouldn't call it a top 10 unit, but they're just in a position where they can do things that they want to do running the ball, but then also protect uh, Russell Wilson. So I do like Seattle in terms of the over. They're one of my early favorites and they've stayed at nine and a half. So don't mind that. And at plus 300 to win the division, that's fun too. But let's end with the Cardinals. This is a team that you've liked. We all obviously with the footballers, they're in Arizona. We talk about the Cardinals a lot as well. What do you think about eight wins? Are you still on that in the over? I still think it's it's a decent bet. It's kind of getting away, though, in terms of the juice. It's all the way up right now. I'm looking at DraftKings. Um, I got it at minus 155 right now, and that's kind of getting too pricey. When I wrote it up you know, a month and a half ago or so, I think it was down closer to like minus 120 or something like that, and I think that's about right. But it, it's a little expensive right now, so to me, it's a stay away. But the reason that I was in on the over eight, if it does kind of come back down in terms of the price, is just as a team that almost hit the over last year on this mark. They had a ton of, of one-score losses, and we know that just statistical variance happens year to year, and some of those one-score losses could turn into wins, and they're sailing over the, you know, the, the total here. Um, obviously, Kyler in your uh, three now in the NFL, you're looking for him to take a step forward. You know, Cliff, he's the he's the biggest the issue. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, man. <laughs> uh, I can't. It's tough to back that guy. Um, he puts his team in pretty questionable decisions here, but in general, you know, Kyler's a guy that I want to back and, you know, we've seen him come out and prove that he can be a winner and year two with DeAndre Hopkins could be quite scary now that they have a full off season to prepare and kind of really get on the same page. So, um, if, it, if there's a play here to me, it's the over, but at minus minus one fifty five, I do not like that. I'll riff on, uh, old Cliffy for a second, Cliff Kingsbury, because I looked up today, the odds, we'll talk about this more next week about the awards. But for coach of the year, coach of the year bets, get this. Here are the bottom people. So like the bottom six coaches. All right. At the very bottom is uh, Nick Sirianni. Do you know who that is? No, I've never heard of him. (laughs) Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni. They have Zach Taylor, Bengals head coach, which is hilarious. His name's actually misspelled on DraftKings Sportsbook. (laughs) What is it spelled? It's just (laughs) Z-A-K. Z-A-K. Oh no, you you hate to see it. And then uh towards the bottom also is uh Gruden and David Culley, the the Texans head coach. But here's the other two at the bottom. Dan Campbell of the Lions and Cliff Kingsbury at plus 3300. So that's just wild that he's that low of coaches of teams that have eight wins. Like I can look some teams on here like Robert Sala is like way up there and the Jets, you know, have like six six and a half wins. So it's just interesting to see what Vegas thinks of Kingsbury, what the NFL does, and it is holding them back a little bit. But eight wins, if I had to go somewhere, would be the over. And making the playoffs is plus 190. So I think that's another direction. If you wanted to go there, you could certainly do that too. But let's... I got a game for us, Betts. You, you up for this? Oh, always. All right, let's finish up with a game. I want to play. Wanted to finish up with a game, and this is encompassing what we talked about last week, the AFC, this week, the NFC, and we're going to do a couple of quick hitters where I ask a question, and Betts and I are going to give a couple of our favorites in each category. So for the first one, Betts, give me a team you like uh, that's most likely to hit their over other than, of course, the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's the Falcons, you know, every day of the week, but two teams we talked about on the pod today, I'll let you take the other one, which I also am a fan of. For me, it's the football team. Over eight, I, I love that line. I really think there's some value on it, and I would definitely get that before it moves to eight and a half because I think it will eventually. I'm going to go with the Vikings. We mentioned them earlier at eight and a half right now. Uh, it's it's at minus 162, so it's not great in terms of getting your return, but I think eight and a half is, uh, is a really good spot uh, for the Vikings. Give me a team that's most likely, in your opinion, to go under and I'm going to say other than the Titans, because you and I both have a wager on the Titans under nine and a half. It's now at nine. So moving the lines. Yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah, for me, I've been pretty vocal about it. I'm going to stick with it. Steelers under eight and a half minus 110, I think is a great price. We talked about the end of the season schedule. Those last six games are rough, right? We talked about that at the top of the show. But look at where they open like they're 
you know, a full touchdown underdog to Buffalo week one. They get Green Bay in week four. They get Seattle in week six. Then they're at their bye in week seven. They've got some winnable games in there. So they could be like a 500 team, but then the bottom could just fall out so quickly. Um, it's a team that I definitely want to look to fade here. So under eight and a half to me makes a ton of sense. I'm going to go back to Carolina under seven and a half. We mentioned that earlier. If they get to seven wins, it will be a miracle, but I don't even expect them to go over that because after their week 13 bye, they play Atlanta at Buffalo, Tampa Bay at New Orleans and at Tampa Bay again. Like they're not, they could go one and four. I'll give them maybe a win against my Falcons, but they're not winning against Buffalo, Tampa Bay at New Orleans and at Tampa Bay in that last stretch. So when you factor that in, I like under seven and a half for Carolina. All right, give me your favorite long shot division winner. So it can't be somebody that's currently projected as a top two team in the division. Dude, I'm back in Russ. I don't know how much I need to say about this, right? It's pretty obvious. Like Russell Wilson has the third best odds to win the NFC West. Russell Wilson, all he does is win. So at plus 300 <laughs> to have you know more of a long shot than the Niners to take it home. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that all day. I thought about putting the Jaguars on here. We talked about them last week, but I'm going to say New England. They're at plus 350. They need a lot of things to break right, but I think that they're in a spot where their defense is good enough. I don't know what we're getting from Cam, but I do think it's going to be an improvement from last year. They obviously spent a ton of money, the most money ever in the history of free agency. So I will say New England at plus 350 to win the AFC East. I've heard they've done it a time or two before, so maybe they can uh, maybe they can win that division. Just right, once. Give me, give me a dark horse team. Dark horse team to be the number one pick. So it can't be the Texans, and it can't be the Lions, which are currently favorite. Oh, now I just saw who you put in here. Yeah, man. I, I Our listeners will know I am not biased when I talk about you know football and that sort of thing. Like uh, To me, a long shot is the Eagles. Um, it's not because I don't think they can win about five to seven games. I think they could, but you're looking at a roster that like we talked about could, you know, really have some holes pop up very quickly. And this line is basically saying like Jalen Hurts needs to be decent. There is a realm of possibility where he is just not it. I'm not saying that that's what I believe. I'm just saying that's in the realm of possibility. And if this team all of a sudden finds himself, you know, at three and 14 or, you know, two and 15, heaven forbid, I'm going to be crying, but also that is going to be a rough, rough season, and they could finish with the top pick. They're a dark horse, in my opinion, to have a horrific season. I'm going to say Las Vegas. I don't think that they're there, but if I had to see a team that's currently projected in that you know, 6-7 win spot, I could see that just, just fall out. I could see Gruden just lose it. Carr, they have no allegiance to him after this year. There's really not a ton of talent, a lot of key spots like cornerback. They're just going to get torched. Look at their drafts, by the way. Look at the Las Vegas Raiders don't, drafts. Don't do it. <laughs> It'll make you so sad. <laughs> it is so bad to see what they've done in the secondary. Like they've drafted too many safeties. I wish I could just walk into that front office and just yell and say, why have you guys taken three safeties in the first round in the last like six years? Like that is insane Dude, they drafted. They drafted three safeties alone this year. I know. I don't understand what their board looks like. And, you know, I've seen reports that just say, like, they just draft differently than everyone else. And it would be different if you were a team that year in, year out, you just kill it in the draft. Like, you're just different than everyone else. You took the long shot and it worked. But it doesn't work for them. It hasn't been working for them. So uh, the Raiders, I could see them being a dark horse team to be the number one pick. Give me the last team you think that will remain undefeated. All right. This is a very big contingency, and it's a very big if. If the Bills can get past the Chiefs in week five, I know it's asking a lot. Their opening schedule is very favorable. Steelers, Dolphins, football team, Texans, Titans, bye week, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts. And then Saints, like they could legitimately start out, you know, through the first 11 weeks and be undefeated if they can get past KC. But that's my take here for uh, the Bills Mafia. Um, excited about Josh Allen here. Another year taking a step forward, hopefully. I will say so we're I'm trying to say the obvious because Kansas City or Tampa Bay, those are pretty obvious teams. I'm going to say Baltimore. They do play Kansas City week two at home. 
So if they get by Kansas City, which is what you said too, uh, with the Bills, then their schedule opens up. It's possible, like if you look at the Ravens' schedule, I think that they will be favored to win in their first 11 games. Other than, you know, like They're just in a position where after the Chiefs, it's the Lions, Broncos, Colts at home, Chargers at home, Bengals at home. So three home games in a row, bye week. Vikings at home, Dolphins, Bears, and then the Browns in week 12. So I think they're in a position where the Ravens, their first 11 games, I think that they can get eight wins out of that schedule. And so that's why I'm starting to rethink some of my thoughts about the Ravens. I know the line's gone down uh, to 10 and a half. So they're in, they're in a position now where I'm like, oh, I could see things go really well for the Ravens, them in being an 11 or 12 win team. So rethinking things about about Baltimore, especially the way that their schedule kind of laid out. But all right, last one here. Give me a dark horse team to win it all, to win the Super Bowl. Oh, dark horse team to win the Super Bowl. All right, I'm going way off the board here. I'm going with the Ooh. Vikings. Plus <laughs> 4,000. And, and again, this is not me saying I think they will win. I think there is a chance that they could. Um, Kirk Cousins, man, very quietly like had an awesome season last year. He threw 35 touchdown passes. Like I kind of forgot about that. I was looking before the show. Um, he had an awesome season. And if the defense can kind of pick up, you know, their side of things and can really kind of return to Mike Zimmer's usual form, they can make some noise in the NFC. Um, I think the NFC is a little more fragile than the AFC where you have to go through, you know, the Bills, the Ravens, the Chiefs, etc. The NFC, it's not quite as top heavy. So there's paths for the Vikings to make some noise here. And at plus 4,000, I think it's uh, it's interesting. I'll say that. So I'll give you a stat before I throw this out there, but I was listening to the Spotrack podcast, huge fan, huge fan of Spotrack. They go through contracts and some of it's a little, little nerdy, but I do love the way that they get to talk about the numbers and contracts and how that affects the way that we think about football and, and different sports. But they had, they mentioned this stat. They said there hasn't been a Super Bowl winner over the last 20 years where their quarterback took up more than 15% of their cap. Like there hasn't been. And so you can actually cut off a couple of teams and the average has actually been about 8% of your cap. And if you look at the best teams in the league, what they do is they take their star quarterback and they figure out a way to shuffle that money. And so right now it's like Patrick Mahomes, 4% of the Chiefs cap. Tom Brady, like 6%. Like that's what teams are doing. So I I put that as a threshold. The quarterback hit has to be under uh, 15%. And I... I put the Cowboys. They're at plus 2,800. Their odds right now are worse than the Carson Wentz-led Colts and the Drew Locke-led Broncos, which I guess Vegas is saying maybe Rodgers is going there. That's why they're giving him a little bit of a bump, the Broncos. But I think Dallas is a much better team than both the Colts and the Broncos. And they're playing a third-place schedule. So they're in a position where they get to have a little bit easier uh, of a schedule than you would think. So I would say the Cowboys, if Dak hits it right, it could be in a position. That defense obviously isn't good enough, but they couldn't be in a position where they're good. I'll also throw out the Chargers because I'm a a sick man. I love the Chargers. I love the pain that's involved with them, but I just think they are enticing. (laughs) I love the pain. Um, No, that's a a really interesting stat that you brought up about the, the contract for the quarterback. Um, clearly, Kirk Cousins does not fit that mold. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, man, what a contract that was. But the, the, real quick, just to like mention this for real life NFL football. It's like, I don't know if teams know this, right? Like if teams knew this, they would be taking advantage of Justin Fields on a rookie deal and like playing him in year one to get him going and for the Niners to play Trey Lance, etc. So um, it makes sense. And I think it's it's really interesting way to kind of talk about like team building perspective. I find that stuff super interesting. That might be a show that in the future we can kind of Molon and just talk about teams that have built really well, uh, their rosters and who's set up really well. So, uh, yeah, next week we'll talk about some of the awards and some of the long shots. The best part about awards is you're getting plus money for almost everything, you know, like Mahomes to win the MVP. You're getting a ton of plus money, even though he's the favorite. So awards are super fun. We'll talk about, uh, historically, you know, what's happened the last couple of years and like Aaron Rodgers last year. 
won the MVP, but like he was not in the top five at all. So if you would have just said early on, Aaron Rodgers is a great long shot, uh, then that would be a great one. And the last couple of years, it has been a long shot. You know, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, like you are getting value on MVP. And that's the big one, but we'll talk about Offensive Rookie of the Year and some of the other ones. And maybe bets. We'll even talk about a Tim Tebow wager, which is currently on DraftKings. <laughs> oh, man. You going to write him another letter or what? You know, Tim Tebow's made two pods in a row, which I didn't forecast, but I, I guess he's going to have to make next week. But so there's a, there's a fun wagers out there. Uh, but any last words for the people bets? Oh, man. I think it's going to be a fun offseason. Like I said, we're rolling along here. We're obviously going to talk best ball soon. Ultimate Draft Pick coming up next week. Awards. Make sure you subscribe. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.